Ruthor never sleeps anymore. He stands frozen in the ship below the ground, staring at his reflection in the polished metal across the way and waiting for a chance to do his duty, to redeem himself, to kill or be killed. Gruthor the Mighty, Gruthor the Scrap Lord, Gruthor the Silent. He almost smiles, tracing the scars on his throat with his eyes without ever moving. Beyond the door to the north, he heard shouting, gunshots. He'd been sure someone was coming to give him a chance to fight. But no one came. For hour after hour, no one came. Had they all killed each other? Perhaps Mayanda's soldiers had won. That would be a shame. A wasted opportunity. Behind Grothor, the door clicked and slid open. He never turned. She walked past, face impassive, mouth silent, nodding to him. Mayanda the Silent. Mayanta the Scraplord. Mayanta the Mighty. Gruthor smiled. It had been an adventure to fall to one so strong. He was proud to serve. Soon, perhaps tomorrow, he would fight for her. He would kill or be killed. He would redeem himself. And he would finally sleep. This is Pot Against the Machine. Welcome once again to Pot Against the Machine, the only Pathfinder actual play podcast that just leaves its villains lying dead on the floor, covered in space drugs. I'm your host, Sam, and here is everybody. 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 All of us. Was he really a villain, or was he just misunderstood? Everybody here has listened to the intro to 25. He was a villain. Right. Here, that's the thing. <laughs> we got that context. Except for our characters. Our characters haven't listened to that there. No, so but... That's a little thing called dramatic irony. It's the at viewer the same time, knows. he was clear. Uh, I'd, I'd hate to have to kill all of you. I don't want to. That does sound kind of villainous. Well, he didn't want to. Isn't that what the bad guys say before they definitely want to kill someone, though? Well, I mean... I don't have a lot of experience in wanting to kill people, but it sounds like something that I would say if I'm going to... We'll cut that out, because that makes you sound like a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) That's going in the uh, outtakes along with I'm not creepy or whatever. I'm not a murderer. (laughs) At least I don't want to kill people. There you go. See, and I think that's what matters. In addition to the non-murder. Well, then Sandville was the good guy. You want to, you do it because the voices tell you to. Mm, I want to, it just feeds my insatiable hunger for blood. (laughs) Well, if you have a hunger for blood, do I have a friend for you? Or two, two of them. Two pustules of blood for you. And here I thought it would be a a buddy cop of me and plant friend 
just like <laughs> knocking Exsanguinating some blood transfusion people. places and grabbing, <laughs> just raiding the blood bank. You know, while we're on this floor, has anybody got any new ranged attacks? I mean, since leveling up, yes, yeah. but maybe not any disposable like spells that yeah. I want to waste on airborne leprosy pinatas. Wait, they aren't airborne, but floorborne leprosy pinatas. <laughs> Jeff is delighted by that concept. Maybe if you have any slots left after uh, whatever goes down. You did pick up a bunch of small hand crossbows, so Brixby can shoot from far away and do like 1d3 damage. Hey, screaming damage. Ah, totally yes. I forgot they, what those things do. But. They scream. That's it. That's the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so when last we left the very capable four, uh, they had executed the totally not a villain and didn't want to kill anybody, uh, Sanville Tret, and um, then proceeded to steal all his earthly belongings like totally not villains and uh, steal all the belongings of all the other um, poor miscreants that they had murdered and then you know they went downstairs to take a nap and they leveled up so yay oh keep going all right so that's where we find ourselves now everybody went down for a rest for the night early in the afternoon yesterday so you'll likely be up with your full eight hours of sleep very very early in the morning but before everybody wakes up let's jump back in time just a little bit and take a closer look at how the very capable four spent their first night under the mountain in the ancient beds amongst destroyed robots and Connor Bane's dried blood, with possibly their greatest challenge hanging in front of them in the morning. Let's start with Brixby's night. Brix comes to consciousness, and um, he is staring up at the ceiling in the medical room that they are in. Uh, and he can't move his arms or his legs or even his face. Uh, no one else seems to be awake, but he lets out a little light whimper that I don't think anybody hears and does his best to avert his eyes. It's been years since he's had sleep shock. Um, it's different though. He doesn't feel paralyzed as much as he feels trapped under the astronomical weight of the hill mounding over him. The smothering sepulchral nature of this buried ship seems to just kind of empty his lungs and grip his throat. His eyes drift back and he, he's staring up at himself on the ceiling or it's someone else. The features change, and, and Brixby watches them change again, like oil on water. He thinks of Torch and his ever-changing relationship to this town, to others, to himself, and he just spilt the blood of the person that knew him best in this place. But is that even still true? Uh, not since he'd left Chitterhome has he felt this close to anybody. Some tears escape his excruciatingly dry eyes. He stares straight forward now, the ever undefined countenance of the body on the ceiling, straining his muscles till he's become aware that he's gritting his teeth and control floods back to fill the absence of what exactly. Then his own voice surprises him. Not you, not me, 
I'm something else. And the sharp pins and needles feeling returns to his hands as he feels himself gripping the cold metal edges of the necklace around his neck. He draws a sharp breath that needles his lungs and he exhales. Ceiling's empty. He closes his eyes again and readjusts on the hard medical cot. Chases fitful sleep until the others wake him up. Bricks isn't doing so hot. <laughs> sounded great. I would have assumed he's fine. <laughs> you know, the huge. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's really struggling with the events of the past the past day in particular. So Asher wakes up from his sleep and he sort of smiles to himself having dreamt of this strange sack like creature offering him a button offering him a holy symbol he runs his hands through his hair and sits up on the cot he flips over his hat looks on the inside of it just sort of shakes his head in, in bewilderment says to himself well how did I get here hmm? long way from home he doesn't expect an answer and that's fine as he minds his own business while the rest of his companions are you know, maybe starting to wake up, maybe still sleeping. He hears a, his rat folk friend say some phrase he doesn't quite understand. Just ignores it. He's, he's used to not understanding Brixby. Uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's just his bonds, but who could say? And he he thinks back to the the previous feels like previous lifetime when he was with the Dune Drifters, and he never expected to be this devout, to be this reliant on his deity and yet here he is and he's drawing comfort from the fact that we are all still alive shows Caldera's luck <laughs> has gotten us here and he's confident that it will prevail so he takes his time getting ready and going over the code in his mind and he's just thinking I'll never fail to help a friend in need so he you know, puts on one boot I freely serve my community and Share my worldly goods with others. I might demonstrate charity by example. And he puts on his other boot and just sort of continues to go through it line by line as he checks his gun, loads it recklessly. He should always carry a loaded firearm. Uh, and just... He's prepared to relight the torch today. He hopes to live to see it. He hopes that all of his companions live to see it. And... He believes that his lucky good luck words will continue to prevail, and if it doesn't, then Caldera is still good. I really hope nothing happens to Asher, because that's going to be a bummer. I mean, obviously <laughs> all of us, but uh, it'll hurt. So Vargas wakes up ridiculously early, like he always does. And he's laying in this dirty hospital bed. And he's just laying there with his eyes closed. At one point, he hears what sounds like movement, which is probably Brixby waking up and then going back to sleep. And But he ignores it. It didn't come from the direction of the door, so it didn't worry him. And he's just thinking about why he's here, why he's in Torch. And at first, he had no idea what was drawing him here. 
Then, when he started hearing about the purple-haired woman, the torch turning off and everything, he thought maybe that it was the Technic League and Gorham was giving him an opportunity to redeem himself, basically giving him a rematch. And then when he found out it wasn't the League, he was even more confused, even more upset, not knowing what he's here for. And then he heard that Ratman uh, mention Hellion. And now he's like, well, maybe Gorham sent me here to deal with this other god, this false deity and its worshippers. And he can also, he feels that he's getting stronger, not as strong as he used to be and not in the same way. But he knows when he wakes up, something's different. And eventually, after like an hour or two, when everybody else is starting to get up and get moving, he takes out his old, battered, wooden backed spellbook and starts flipping through it. And he notices one that doesn't really quite make sense. Uh, one of the translations says Ket-Taz. Uh, another one says Desurit-Kesha. Another one says Jesh Bersh, and none of them make sense for something that would be in this book. But he notices that it's been written over multiple times. It looks like an extremely well-used spell. And so he just kind of shrugs and he starts tracing over it. And goes through the rest of his morning ritual. Before she goes to sleep, Kira is exhausted, but almost excited. Um, this is a, she's just like, oh my God, we're having a sleepover with my friends. This is fantastic. Uh, but more than that is kind of like feeling hopeful. This is good. They're getting closer. It's been a rough couple of days. She hasn't seen her family in a while. Her friend died. Um, but there is this sensation that they're getting closer. And not just closer to the goal, not saving the town, not relighting the torch, but getting closer to these other people that she's with. Um, Kira has always been friendly, but she's not always great with people. And Parda was okay with that, and Kira was okay with Parda. But aside from that, it's been she's been something of a of an outsider. So to have found this new group of people that she really feels almost a connection to is something special to her. And there's still a twinge of, of fear, panic when one of them goes down in combat. Um, for just a second, she'll see Parta and, and want to fight all the harder for that. And so she is tired, but she's hopeful and excited. And she, like Asher, unbeknownst to her, um, is hopeful that this new day will um, bring torch lighting and town saving and other things. Um, and then she goes to sleep and it's not as much fun. She dreams of her mother again. It's as if her voice gets a little louder and a little further away each night that she's gone, and every morning she has to fight the urge to go back. She can't, of course. She is busy. She has to save the town and help her new friends, or let them help her, as the case may be. But that knowledge doesn't stop the dreams, and tonight it's different. It starts like it always does with her mother's voice sharing one of her dozen adventuring tales. The goblins in the cave, the ogres who idled, idled like kings underneath a cliff. 
She's always loved those stories, and even now she can see herself telling Willow all about her own adventures just as soon as the town is safe and the torch is back. But something is different this time. Underneath the gentle and bright tones of her mother's voice, there's an edge, a, a, a buzz, almost a humming so loud she can feel it more than hear it. And this time it's not just in her head, but spread across her neck, down her chest, her arms, her fingers. She realizes distantly that she's afraid. She can't hear her mother's voice anymore, but there are whispers of a new one. Something darker and sharper, something insidious and almost familiar. That voice is getting closer. There's an instant sensation that someone is watching her through the dark, and she's torn for a moment between turning to face it and hoping whatever it is leaves her alone. But before she can move, there's an eruption of purple flame. It pierces the darkness so bright it almost hurts, and for a moment that hum turns to real pain, a burning filling her veins and her chest, her hand, down to her left fingers, her dominant hand. A face bursts forth from the fire. Kira screams just once, and then she's awake. The darkness, the fire, the voices, they're all gone. But the humming is louder. So um, also not great, I guess, is the short answer to that. Round of applause for everybody. Thank you for those updates. Sky middles all around. I wish I had more than just a bullet list for mine. Everybody else did like actual written scenes. I, similarly, I just had points I was going to touch on. I didn't have it written out. I was writing it as I was connecting to Discord. Yep, yep same <laughs> like, here. I did that 20 minutes app. ago. Also in my notes, notes app. app. Same, same, twins. <laughs> Zach's and Izzy's were really good. And, uh, you know, your twos were really good. So we find ourselves standing here on the science deck of the ship under the Black Hill. And though there's no natural light in here, there's just those strange glowing panels on the ceiling that never seem to change. Uh, something, maybe your circadian rhythms tell you that it's very, very early in the morning. And it's time to go. Time to go to work. So what are we doing? So, not it's not super impactful. Asher just would want to take the auto grapnel since he's the only one who's proficient with it kira had i think was storing it officially and he was just looking at it before he's he'd like to officially allocate that item to his masterwork backpack and as he does so as he retrieves this strange item he will look at his companions nobody looks super chipper i think we all know the the danger and the stakes well We've been through quite a bit together, have we not, in the last few days? It feels like months, but in reality, not even a fraction of that. Although, of course, I guess it's technically a fraction. Time being measured, that's irrelevant. What is important is that if a human, if two humans, a half-orc and a Yasoki, can be bound to, to one another in defense of this town, out of which only one of us is from, well, what can stand against our collective luck and might and powers? Nobody can swing a greatsword like Kira, or punch even from unconsciousness like Vargas. Brixby attacks with such speed and accuracy, truly a melee monster, and yet a wizard with his magics. We've heard there's a monster, a beast, serving alongside this meander. And I'm not afraid of a gargoyle, or a woman with purple hair. Her hair's probably really cool, like mine, just a different color. No. If we need to, we shall vanquish them both. Perhaps we can apprehend meander instead, but something tells me she's unlikely to go down without a fight. 
I suggest we bring the fight to her rather than wait to be found here. If we have the element of surprise on our side, then I suggest we don't let that go to waste. Well spoken, my friend. I think that Mayunda has reaped the fruits of this hill for too long. Torch belongs to Torch. Now let's go turn this hill on. With that, Brix will do a real cute, like, feet way off the ground, very small guy jumping off a super high bed wiggle <laughs> kind of thing that really takes the gravity Aww. out of what he just said. I know, yeah, it, it just causes an awe uh, from everybody. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> the uh, Kevin Hart maneuver. classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think before they head outside, uh, Carol will pull out her bag of stickers. How, do, how does one collect stickers? Like in books, right? Do they still do that? That's what I used to do. Um, she will let um, Brixby and Asher choose one. She forces Vargas to take that unicorn sticker. Just same arm. Uh, right on. Um, no, I think she's going to go for like 100% coverage here. So there's she's an empty spot. And it's like, there you go. You don't have to be scared of the elevator. It's definitely less scary than the other things here. He just looks at her and goes, thank you. <laughs> Growth. Like he's just very confused. <laughs> but we notice uh, he's not trying to pick this one off at least yet. See, level four. Friendship. <laughs> yeah. Either that or he's given up because they don't come off. Come on, man. They never come off. Yeah, he is. They do. They don't come off. Those are high quality Michaels and or Joanne stickers. Yeah, he has not managed to get a single one of them all the way off. They're all like half the actual sticker and then like fading off to the white and then like a torn edge. (laughs) Could you please spend at least 90 seconds telling what the options are? Since Asher could see the sticker book, but I can't, so I don't. I want to make an informed decision. Um, I would say there's only one matte option, uh, and it's that kind, like you know, that you get in school um, when you didn't get an A, but you've improved. And that one says "Nice try." Um, Everything else is uh, glitter, so there's probably like a donut. There's definitely we've already discussed the unicorns. What else did Lisa Frank do? Dolphins, uh, purple and white tigers. Um, is there a little lizard with a star conical hat, like a lizard wizard sticker? Yeah, how did you? There's one left. <sighs> Man, there's always only one left, but excellent. That's good. They never give you enough in these packs. Brixby is going to take the lizard wizard sticker and affix it to his, uh, his tail blade. <laughs> yes, this gets it. <laughs> uh, and Asher, did anything sound good to you? Pretend I listed 14 other stickers. Oh, no. I mean, you had me at nice try. Oh, great. Perfect. Okay. (laughs) Which is what he intends to say as the enemies attempt to hit him and fail. Okay. Well, with that, then, I think Kira will take the the last, the only other matte sticker I lied because I wanted it for myself. And it says tallest. And she'll put it on and now they can go. (laughs) That's a custom one she stuck off and ha- <laughs> snuck off and had made. Uh, yeah, Brixby was... takes a second, stares at the tallest sticker, squints, looks at the top of Asher's head, and then the back of or back to Kara's and goes, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I see that's it." True, and just continues waddling forward. <laughs> Asher smiles. Power of suggestion. It's the power of suggestion. It's marketing. Oh, uh, we should all go not die. <laughs> now all the nutrients from those goo tubes must have. 
helped expedite your growth. It appears that you're now over my six foot three. Well done, Kira. Couldn't just let me have it. You couldn't just let me have it. You had to throw in the goo tubes. As we hey, listen, it's for episode. It's a dirty 30. Is this episode 30? Yeah. <laughs> episode 30. Great. I guess so. The goo tubes are here to stay. And because it's episode 30, I'll let it go. Thanks, Asher. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. You've been knocking back a bunch of those grape growth hormone flavor uh, goo tubes. Something's bound to happen. The ones with the bacon on the lid? Our uh, lawyers would like us to tell you, do not throw goo tubes. Uh, <laughs> it's actually extremely dangerous. Gross. It's just a turn of phrase. <laughs> now, now, uh, after Asher's inevitable demise, I want to make an alchemist who can we could just flavor all of his vials as goo to all the empty goo tubes <laughs> it's true literal flavor or maybe sam's favorite ooze morph shifter but flavored with just a bit more space dairy <laughs> made out of goo tube yeah, it wasn't uh explicitly oh, mentioned yeah. last episode but all of those mutagens that sanville was drinking he actually squeezed those from goo tubes into the jars <laughs> that's Awful. No wonder he's dead. All right. Can I get a reflex save from Asher if you're reinstalling that component in the elevator? Oh, of course. That's a 14 on the dice for a 24. All right. So Asher is canonically once again faster than electricity and manages to reinstall the coupling, after which a short elevator ride takes you back up to the humming and corpse-filled engineering level. Now, one thing... You might notice as you're coming through this large and dead endangered species filled lobby is that though there's an extra smear of blood on the ground, Sandville Tret's body is not oh. here. Oh, frig. <laughs> Juju Sandville. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that's preferable to the alternatives. I guess we never confirmed that he wasn't, like, head to ath in a skin suit. We also never confirmed that he was actually <laughs> dead. Maybe he has something where he can, like, stabilize. Maybe one of the things he drank did that or something. Ugh, God. What a jerk. Somebody cast Life 3 on him, and after he died, he just came right back. Or he has uh, a feat like mine, or that one that dwarves always have, where you just auto-stabilize and we just didn't finish off. Well, I will say that um, Vargas's last hit on him was, I want to say it was a crit and um, shocking yeah, grasp like or something, and you, you blasted him well, <laughs> well below con. So that's even more confusing then. Uh, uh, so none of the other bodies appear to be... In, um, is there blood? Like, it, the the where Sandville was. Are there any noticeable drag marks that say uh, haberdashered survival haver would be able to see? Um, were somebody to roll survival, perhaps? Sure, yeah. Uh, the dragging corridor makes a triumphant return, perhaps. <laughs> Let us see. Oh, well, the... Uh, <laughs> first roll live on this 
Holy Nexus dice from Cozy Gamer Dice is a natural one, uh, bringing my survival to a total of five. So is that enough to find the note that says, I took Sandville this way, signed (laughs) Technic Dude? Um, As far as you can tell, Sandville's gone. A lot of his blood's still there um, with a five. Um, looks like he sat there for a while and he bled quite <laughs> he a lot. He just got up and um, But yeah, he's definitely not there anymore. <laughs> and then he was done. And then something happened and that it changed things. Mm, I can't okay. discern how he either was taken away or left of his own volition. This, for whatever reason, I just don't seem capable of determining that. There's no way that he got up and left on his own. I have been in a lot of battles in my life, and I know when I hit something hard enough to kill it. If Sandville's gone, someone moved him. Brixby says, yeah, mate. I mean, we made a lot of noise out here, and a lot of bodies as he scooches down next to Asher, like the tinier (laughs) Spider-Man, next to the bigger Spider-Man, and in the meme. And he attempts that survival check. um, Rolled in roll 20, got a 13 with my plus one. Yeah, with a 13, and it looks like there's a sort of a little bit of dripping um, spattered around. kind of get the sense that he wasn't dragged, but it looks like maybe somebody picked him up and some of the blood dripped off on the ground around him, but it's hard to say exactly where it went because it didn't drip for long. Gargoyles don't eat people, right? Because of how they're rocks. Although we almost did get killed by a rock, so like... (laughs) It would be strong enough to pick him up, for sure. That's definitely my first thought. I mean... Not knowing how strong Mayonda is, but I assume her gargoyle does most of the heavy lifting. I don't know. I have to just assume that we just made a ton of noise outside of her otherwise relatively quiet uh, religious genuflection or whatever the heck she's doing in there. So uh, I have to assume she was probably the one to scoop the body. Yeah, because it's the only one that isn't part of her group in here. If we're so. lucky, maybe she'll think that he and her men killed each other. Yeah, I just I don't know how much the like gun thing, like I just don't even know how people in Galarian are just like because you know, I'm I'm just like oh that's a backfiring car and I don't know if she's <laughs> just like oh that's Sandville's Buick or something or if she's well just yeah like, then she well, went out here and there with Sandville so clearly that was the. <laughs> We did talk about yeah, the hum sure. possibly being just incredibly loud mm-hmm. in the room where she genuflects. Yeah. True. So that is true. So she may have heard something. Yeah, I think we said it would have been loud enough that like most of the melee stuff wouldn't be heard over it, but we weren't sure about the gunshots. Yeah, I would also assume that maybe her gargoyle does some, like, you know, roving. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if, if she is truly just, like, locked away in her room doing woo-woo stuff, like, I assume that he is, or they, are the one that 
mm. you know, I don't know, roves around and presents the yeah. danger. But maybe that's what her crew is yeah. for. I don't know. Well, even I'm speculating because I'm uh, nervous. Everybody, even if she suspected <laughs> something, if it was her that moved the body or like her gargoyle or something, it's still four o'clock in the morning. Like I imagine, if she did expect something, that she would have expected like someone to attack right away or wait till the next day. I'm hoping we'll still have the element of surprise it being middle of the night, basically. Well, I think yeah, because that's going to affect our sort of next steps and. Whatever else happened, we know someone found the body. We can, as, unless we get lucky and it's, you know, they think it's Sandville. They know we're here, so. Yeah, I mean, like... we didn't hide the 37 other bodies because we were sort of just hoping we were going to be here early enough. I don't want to let these head games knock us anymore off kilter, Sam. I see what you're doing. Yeah, it shouldn't suck us out. Come on, Sam. I would, I would like to say, Sam, that I am holding a rapier and my magic missile wand right now. I should, I should put that out there. I am armed, not just traipsing through this house of ten or so corpses, um, unarmed. And Asher this morning loaded an adamantine bullet. First mm. one. Pretty excited about that. Probably have to use it against a target with no hardness. Bummer. We can go rush those robots just for you. Oh. That's an option. <laughs> well, where are you going? From that lobby, there's a total of one, two, three, four doors. Um, two of which you've been through. Um, one leads up to the room that had all the orcs and rat folk in it. One leads to a sort of narrow corridor that follows along those rooms. And um, then the other two doors, I don't think you've been inside. The ones that's, to the south. That's off of the the main like break area, right? Like the lunchroom in here where Bricks is. Or are you talking uh, about inside here? I was talking about back in the lobby, but off of the um, main lunchroom where Bricks is, um, there's you know a door leading to the south, and then there was that door that goes back into the narrow corridor. You explored all those bedrooms to the north. Not this door, like into the what? I guess that's more beds. Uh, is there another door that I'm missing that is closed? Uh, I'm pinging over here. Those two are that's... doors, and then way back down here, there. Don't see doors. your ping. Yeah. I am not seeing your pings. Yeah, can you do that again? Are you pinging on the GM? Pinging or... on the GM. I am pinging not on the GM layer, oh, okay, but on no, the lighting layer. Ah. Ooh. Oh, okay. Those two doors in the hallway, right near the electric. The stuff that we don't see. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah, and then there's um, the door here, which I assume was the one Brixby was headed for uh, through the yeah. little break room. So I think that, yeah. Do people feel strongly about which of these we go into? Uh, do we remember which one uh, Ratty McRatface, what did we decide his name was? Patchy uh, Blue. Blue. Patchy Blue. Do we remember which doors he said went where? Our characters do. Um, Sam? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that? he said specifically uh, which door went where. He just said, um, well, he gave sort like of the middle area. Then, yeah. Yeah. He said, like, the middle area is where the gargoyle and the shrine are. Um, off that middle area is the reactor room, which is where Mayanda spends her time. And then in the south, there are robots. And we don't know. 
we know at least one of the robots we think is a what you call it the walkie ones uh we think that it might be a gearsman yeah um but which... we also don't know whether the robots are repaired or not he wasn't sure Totally, or if there's any internal access. Uh, And then we also have this, like, totally not weird thing for Sandville to have Ultra Bind You Ion Tape, which we may or may not be something that we can, like, close and secure a door with, but we don't really know if all of these chambers interconnect. Um, I don't know, maybe it's really stupid, but I kind of want to go for either Mayonder or the monster. Like, I just want to just dive the heck in. Um, yeah. If the robots are going to come, you know, if they come from behind us, it's a it's a whole affair for them to, to come out and around. And if they're internal, then we can't really do a darn thing about it. So Yeah, I, I'd like to go. I'd still be curious to see what all goodies are at that shrine. So monster and shrine would be, you know, my first choice. Sounds good to me. We go there, find the white key card, go all the way back, up the elevator, <laughs> into that supply room, find out what's in that chest. It's a button to turn the torch on. We did it. <laughs> Knew it. No way. It is uh, signature series goo tubes. Ugh, God. <laughs> Roasted uh, friendship and other abstract feelings. Unfortunately, there's no white key card, but there is a white key card flavored goo tube. <laughs> Which might work. You, you never know until you, you try. Know. Squeezing it out on the lock. You might get a circumstance bonus to your DD. <laughs> uh, all right. So what order do we want to go down this very tight hallway? Uh, well, we want Asher in the very back so that he has to shoot through everyone. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As much cover as, as is possible. tradition. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think what a good marching order would be. Bricks is stealthy, right? <laughs> yeah. He's historically really good at going first into rooms. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like an interesting uh, session to test that theory. Yeah. Uh, I'm between 18 AC. I can go first and Asher right behind me. Sure. Uh, before we do go, I am definitely casting Mage Armor as well. Putting that out there, four hours of Mage Armor on this rat right now. I think we have a pot of the pot against the machine first. Uh, Brixby casting Mage Armor. Yeah. The wizard has cast Mage Armor. <laughs> it took him forever to learn it, and I had shield that seemed just this fine. So whoever had episode hours. 30 on the Mage Armor pool, uh, we'll, we will PM you. Uh, to let you know what you've won. <laughs> yes, Zach learns to play a wizard bet. <laughs> I think this is our first pre-fight buff, period. <laughs> that's the only buff that's been done. <laughs> that's it, everyone. Woo! We've got it. Oh, no. Clearly, I'm going to have to rethink things now. We've, we have, we've done just fine without buffs. Why start now? Eh, we're alive, so... That's something. Thanks, Jeff. Um, so you're going down south from the room with the uh, lounge room with all the Yosoki corpses in it? Yes. So that would be this one here that we're going through? Oh, I thought we were going to do this like curvy hallway. Oh, yeah, that's right, because you said the lounge room. That's why I was corridor. asking. Yeah, the, the yeah sorry. Order. Oh, that, that curvy hallway, uh, you've already been through. It just loops back to the 
um, lobby. Ooh, okay. Who opens the door? I guess I should see if it's locked. I'm gonna I'm gonna check to see if this bad boy is locked or has any traps on it. So I'm gonna throw a perception check at it. Then we can figure out who goes in first. Oh, that was almost a 20. But instead it rolled to an eight. So that is 17, unless it is high tech or mechanical, and then it is an 18. Well, it is a high tech or mechanical door. It doesn't appear to be trapped, but it is locked with a brown key card. You can fix that. We can, in fact, fix that. We have loads of brown key cards at this juncture. Um, Those are multi-use, right? It's not just like a single-use thing. They just all open. Right. They just keep things working. that are only brown yeah. doors. I think it was just the it's e picks until you wear out the magnet strip, and yeah. then you got to put it in a plastic bag to get it to swipe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Brixby will turn back to the group. The door is locked, but it's open by any of the key cards that we took off of uh, the bodies around here. Brown, thankfully. How do we want to do this? Historically, I've opened the door and gotten punched in the face. Brix looks around for any other plan besides <laughs> opening the door. Yeah, yeah and that's worked face. out pretty well. But it looks like everybody's just like, yeah, so. Vargas uh, will uh, step up next to him. And what is that? What was I on top of? Uh, it's just me messing around. That's head. Oh, okay. No! <laughs> <laughs> that like He's riding the pink frog. three. Shooting lasers uh, out of its mouth. Uh, Vargas is going to step in front of the door and he is going to ready an action that if there is an enemy on the other side of the door, he is going to cast a specific spell. And then he will tell Brixby to run the card. Ah, all right. Now we are the face punchers. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> with that, he just slides the brown key card through. And, um, there's... Yep. That's it. There's, there's a little <laughs> beep and a click, and the door opens, revealing five feet and then another door. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> I was fully ready for battle music right there. Uh, uh, so, like, do I just. Like, where the door's right here? Yeah. It's okay. just, like, one step in front. Um, well, don't go anywhere. And Brixby will take another five-foot step up. And for this door, I'm going to roll another perception check. All right. One worse. So, seven on the die. Uh, that gives me a 16 or a 17 if it is high-tech or mechanical. Uh, it doesn't look like there's any traps here. Um, and it seems like unlocking the door next to it unlocked this one, too. All right. Brixby is going to look back at the group and say, Ah, it appears clear. The door is ready to open. Um, now, friends, uh, it's been a while since I've acknowledged this, but um, I may not be as effective against everything else as I was against those tiny little salad people. <laughs> so I'm just going to take a step to the north here and, um, Allow the pleasure of someone else. Uh, Vargas will once again uh, ready an action to cast a spell and move action to open the door. And opening the door, um, 
reveals you standing uh, at, next to a balcony that runs around the edges of a dome chamber, the curved walls of which are covered in blinking lights and unidentifiable machinery. A few steps lead down from the middle of the room. Um, just north of these steps sits a large machine with a pink glass tabletop-like surface, above which float transparent images of some sort. The balcony is wider on the south side of the stairs, where a strange statue stands that seems to have been cobbled together from broken machines, not unlike Vargas's arm, into the shape of an upraised claw or talon. A mound of junk lies in a heap before the claw, while two smoking braziers burn softly on each side. To the east stands a strange statue covered in what looks like armor made of garbage, and behind that an immense pair of black metal doors framed by a rotating arch of pulsing metal lights. Now let me show you this um, statue. Did that show up on your screens? Mm -hmm. It did. Mm. The Funny statue. they gave a name to the completely benign statue, Sam. <laughs> yes, this is a slate gray um, gargoyle looking creature standing perfectly still um, wrapped in it looks like armor made out of pieces of scrap and garbage. Uh, the thing is covered in scratches and looks like remnants of old chips and dents and wounds. And he's just completely frozen, you know, because it's a statue. To be clear, it just looks like a gargoyle, right? It's just a statue that, you know, it looks like a gargoyle. You know how people put gargoyles in spaceships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, question. Since we had advance warning that a gargoyle is here, on opening that door, would Vargas know that's a gargoyle? Um, I think that it stands to reason that Vargas would know that the gargoyle he's looking at is the gargoyle that was mentioned. Would that possibly trigger my uh, action then to go off before we roll initiative? <laughs> <laughs> It was if there was something on the other side of the door close enough, he was going to cast a combat spell. Um, yeah, I think Vargas is pretty sure he knows that that is a gargoyle. Um, so he can have a combat spell as a surprise round before we roll initiative. All right, then he is going to cast his new second level spell, Bladed Dash. Which you can move up to 30 feet in a straight line, and at any point along that line, if you come upon an enemy, you can hit it with a melee attack at your highest base attack bonus. Yes. So he is going to basically blur forward directly into this thing, hit it, and then that will also trigger his ability to then swing again with a regular melee attack. Uh, so the uh, attack that he gets from his uh, spell is a natural 2, so unless this thing has lower AC than any of the last 12 things we've fought, that is not going to hit. But then, before his surprise round is over, thanks to being a magus, he gets a second melee attack. That same bonus. And that is also probably not going to hit. I am doing amazing. Uh, yeah, no. That is going to be a 15. Um, a 15 will hit flat-footed. Oh, awesome. Nice. Yay. I mean, we were uh, we were told on air the armor looks pretty, like, 
made of junk, so his AC is probably yeah. surprisingly low. <laughs> and uh, my arm is also considered magic for the purpose of bypassing DR and adamantium for the purpose of bypassing DR. That is a 5 on the D6. Uh, so that is an 8 damage. Alright, and that all seems to go through. So, the strange um, statue that's totally just a statue springs to life upon being punched for the second time, and I'm going to need everybody to roll for initiative. Alright, um, what did uh, Brixby get? Uh, Brixbo came in perfectly average, rolling a 10, we're a 13. How about Asher? So an 18 on the... Miami Dice dice for a 22. And uh, Vargas? Vargas rolled a natural one on the die that he just set aside and is not going to use for the rest of the night. So that is a three. And Kira? Uh, it's an eight plus a five initiative bonus for 13. Now we're going to sort descending. Um... And Kira's bonus is higher than Brixby's, right? Five? Oh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm a three. All right, Asher is up first. Okay, uh, Asher is going to move into the room, because from my camera angle, I can't actually see anything. Uh, five, ten, fifteen, down to the south, and then over. I can move five feet to the west. I think I get a, have a pretty clean shot up at the gargoyle. Uh, and then... Yeah, firing an adamantine bullet for the first time. He's going to shoot his gun. And misfire. So That's fun. Yeah, uh, that dice that just rolled a natural 18 rolled a 1. Asher's gun is jammed. Uh, we're just going to pause, uh, take an hour. I'm going to fix it. It's totally good. <laughs> well, looks like I'm in two fistfuls of trouble. Good thing I have this magical light hammer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, here we'll also move up. Can you clarify the... Is this pink kind of looking thing here gargoyle? Am I looking at something else? Or is that like a pulpit of some sort? Um, that gargoyle is over here. Oh, yeah, yeah I can't see that at all. Great. Some kind of weird machine with... Um, Images floating above it. Cool. All right. So I'm going to move into the room then so that I can see the gargoyle. I'm going to say just north of Vargas. We feel like that's an okay square movement. One more step to my south left. Is that, I bet that also might be that thing of where you go diagonal and suddenly it's 10. Thoughts? Thoughts, opinions? Is, is that your second diagonal? Uh, Yeah, it would be. You started next to Brixby, so count 25 getting down to there. Yep. Am I five feet away from the gargoyle? It looks like it's in a half square. Yeah, it's, you're kind of ten feet away. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, we'll try this then, and I'm sure that I won't regret it in an hour. Um, Kira comes up next-ish to Vargas and starts to pull out her greatsword. Um, and as she does, like, reaches her hand over her back to grab the sword, and you see the tattoos on her left arm start to glow. Um which they've never done before. They've always just kind of been there and they are uh, bright purple. Um, and she like sees that happen and like sort of like 
what is this? Um, and as she puts her arm out in front of her, uh, something happens. It's, it looks like a large, um, what is this, a circle? <laughs> a circle of like a purple sort of pain, which we will know is shield, but she doesn't know that yet. Do I need to roll for that? Uh, no, you're no, good. You're far Great. Away from okay. Ooh. Oh, so much. Anyway. Huh? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh. He hasn't gone yet. Yeah. He hasn't gone yet, so he can't attack an opportunity yet. Cool. Oh, for so many rules. Cool, cool, cool. Um, that's her turn. She looks deeply freaked out, but also it's purple, so I'm sure she's like kind of happy about it. All right, and Brixby is up. All right. Well, Brixby is going to take a five-foot step. Uh, southwest direction, so he's directly to the right of his friend Asher. Um, he, while I did tell you earlier that I am holding the magic missile wand and the um, rapier, he's going to drop the magic missile wand um, to the ground and in tone and hold out a hand and let fly a glob of green acid. He casts Acid Splash um, against the old creature. So this is a touch attack. Although I do not have precise shots, so I'm going to take negative four on this one. Well, there's some traffic there, so he's going to get a cover bonus. I was going to say it's a good time to roll a 16 at least. So Mm -hmm. my uh, range touch in total would be a 22, minus four would be an 18, and then whatever other cover you want to toss on there. Yeah, uh, giving him cover that still hits with a flat-footed touch. Heck yes. Alrighty. So, uh, I get some sneaky do's on this. Whoa. Yeah, so, uh, well, I only rolled a a one on my d6 for my acid damage, so that's a one of acid damage, but I'm going to roll my sneak attack now. A one and a five, so that makes it seven in total. All right, and that all seems to go through since it is magical acid damage and um, precision damage. All right, and we are up to our good friend, the gargoyle, and he opens his mouth to let out a mighty roar, but no sound comes out at all. Uh, And it looks like just based on the state of his neck, he's like missing chunks of stone-like flesh. It looks like his throat has been just, you know, torn out over the years. Yeah, he's going to take a five-foot step, put himself in a dangerous position, and first he's going to do two claws on Vargas. So, claw number one is a 21 to hit. <laughs> that is a hit. That's a big number. I'm so happy uh, my that... AC is one higher now because... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that is eight damage. Uh, claw number two is a natural 20. And to confirm, that is a 15. Uh, 15 does not confirm. It would have okay. confirmed my AC before uh, <laughs> Jeff and I did uh, Armor Musical Tears when he took Saint. Oh, no. <laughs> nice. So uh, five damage on the second claw. And then he is going to whip around, and he is going to try to take a bite out of Kira and her glowing purple sphere. Uh, That's a nat one, so that's not going to work out. But he's also, he's got horns, and those horns are going to attempt to gore Kira. 
Uh, that's not going to do it either. That's a 10. Sam, I literally just got to use my first instance of casting. I'm not saying roll higher. I just want that to be worth it. Don't roll higher. Don't roll <laughs> don't, higher, Sam. Don't. I Let's cut that out. And then also just cut it out of your memory. No, I've, I've officially been taunted. And um, I'm writing down a note that says Izzy is mean. <laughs> And that um, can't possibly yeah. be new news. <laughs> and we're on to Vargas. Uh, Vargas is going to take a five foot step right here because this thing just left itself open to flanking. <laughs> and he is then going to. We are not playing 2E, so yes, I can still do a full attack. Okay. Uh, he is going to use spell combat and spell strike. So first, he is going to cast Arcane Mark to give him a free melee attack with that. Oh, actually, before he does any of that, uh, Swift Action, he is going to... Yes, and he will also have to roll defensively. Uh, Swift Action, he is going to use an Arcane Pool Point to make his arm slightly stronger. And... Then he is going to hit plus 11 is my bonus. Okay. So that is a 26, so I get that no problem. Because it's a level 0 spell, so I only had to hit a 15. For the actual roll, that is probably not going to hit. Uh, That is... No, it's 16, not 15. My brain isn't working. Sorry, because it's not. It's plus one more. Uh, But a 16 probably does not hit for... Because it's not against touch. Is that including flanking? Oh, no, that is not including flanking. That's plus two. Alright, so that's a hit. Yay. Uh, yeah, plus two would be 18, yeah. Alright. So that is minimum damage. Five points of damage. Alright, seems to all go through. And then he'll do his regular melee attack now. Uh, that is a 17 on the die, so that definitely hits. And then let's see if I can roll better on my d6 this time. That is a 6 on the die. So that is 10 points of damage. Alright, he is starting to look pretty rough. You are punching chunks of stone-like flesh off of this garbage-covered gargoyle. And he doesn't look too worried about it. He looks hyped, if anything. Yeah. And he now also has <laughs> a uh, symbol of a unicorn sticker, but made out of glowing <laughs> magic right in the center of his chest. Yay. Very nice. That brings us up to Asher. Asher looks down at his nice try sticker on his armor. <laughs> says, well, I guess I did try my best. And he will. <laughs> uh, he is going to drop his, his jammed pistol and move to the other side of Brixby, 10 feet to the east. And... Uh, remove the auto grapnel from his backpack and yep <laughs> kind of ready <laughs> to give this time worn weapon a try next turn <laughs> <laughs> alright that brings us up to Kira uh, Kira will first take a quick break to um, over his shoulder say you're doing so great Asher keep your sticker um, and then turn back to this 
floating mystical purple light disc that she has summoned, uh, which for just a second when the gargoyle started to lash out at her seemed to like block that and is sort of still, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's happening, but um, okay. Uh, and then we'll grab her sword and um, go for the gargoyle with a flanking bonus. Ooh, that's okay. That's a 16 plus one plus it's it's like a 23 24 it's it's all the things without flanking that sounds like it's gonna hit uh cool six plus six 12 points of damage all right and um stone-like skin is oddly resistant to um your attack and it doesn't seem like it does very much at all that's even with the adamantine right even with that adamantine Okay, well, I got to cast magic, so it's fine. Um, that's my turn. All right, that brings us to Brixby. Uh, and with that, uh, Brixby seeing Asher pulling out the grapnel gun recognizes how dire the situation may just be, scoops up his uh, magic missile wand, and uh, some move action for that. Standard action activates it and lets fly two blue missiles. So two on the first one, so that makes that a three. And a three on the next one, making that a four. So that's seven in total. All right. Taking more chunks, chip, chip, chipping away at the gargoyle. And he looks awful, but he also looks like he's about to have a turn. So he's gonna... Since he's determined that Izzy, or Kira rather, can't really hurt him, he's gonna tear Vargas apart. <laughs> okay. uh, that's a 12 on the first claw. That is a miss. Or 13, rather. Uh, that's a 20 on the second claw. That's a hit. Uh, that's gonna be 5 damage. He's Vargas gonna go is, for the uh, bite. not looking too hot. Uh... 18 on the bite. That is a hit. Uh, five damage. And, and then he's uh, going for the gore with a broken horn at this point. Uh, that is another 13. Okay, that is a miss. Actually, I misread the die. Oh, that wow. is a 16. Uh, 16 meets it exactly, so that is a hit. <sighs> Hands off the chess piece, man. <laughs> Was it Will really that do less than two damage? No, no, it really wasn't. It was definitely still on there. That does minimum damage, three damage. Okay, that is enough to put me at negative one. No! <laughs> I had two health nice. left. Vargo! Vargas is down. Vargo. <laughs> so this thing so, uh, hits what? me three times and I just immediately collapse to the ground. <laughs> Once again, the gargoyle uh, moves like it is, you know, screaming in glorious victory, but makes no sound at all, and Vargas falls to the ground. It is Vargas's turn. Uh, okay, Vargas, from his uh, awesome place to be right before the boss fight, is going to lay on the ground unconscious. <laughs> Seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> He has Vargas something he can do, down. but he is not wasting it on this thing when he knows there's at least one more fight waiting for us. Yeah, I mean, we'll the fine. way things are going now, we'll totally all be fine and make it to the next fight. It's still sunny outside yeah. here. I assume nothing can bad, nothing bad can happen while the sun is up. So, well, it's uh, dark and thundering here. So, 
<laughs> okay, well, I'm in California, so there are more of us on the West Coast. Yeah, but yours isn't the character on the ground almost dead. <laughs> Fair. All right. Well said. <laughs> All right. It is Asher's turn. Asher sees uh, his Kellid companion fall, and he looks back and sees his misfired gun on the ground and says, Oh, Kaladira, you're certainly making things interesting. He is going to spend a grip point to use focused aim because it grants extra damage to all firearm attacks. And this auto grapnel is a firearm. So sounds like every bit of damage is going to help to hopefully do something. And uh, with that, I think, do I roll the D100 before I roll the D20 or do I roll to hit first? How's this going to work? I think, yeah, let's let's start with the um, D100. And this is a slow-firing weapon, so it takes a full round action to operate it. So, that's cool. He sort of aims this grappling hook gun that he found yesterday at this gargoyle, which was not a statue after all. And, uh... Pulls the trigger. Let's see what happens. I don't have a neat treat. Neat treat? Treat? treat. I don't have a neat trait or feat or anything, so I only get to roll once. Huh. But an 85 sounds like it's probably good. Wow. Um, yeah. It's not just good. The weapon functions better than anticipated. You get a plus two bonus on your attack roll. Yay. Whoa, nice. awesome. Okay. And I'm within 25 feet, so I do get my full uh, bonus of point-blank shot on this. So I'm going to be adding uh, plus 11 to this roll. And that was a 12, so it's a 23. Uh, even with cover from Kira standing between the two of you, a 23 will hit. Awesome. So this is going to be interesting. This uh, adamantine tip fires off this metal cable and it just shoots kind of snakes around Kira and just lodges itself in uh, the gargoyle whose name we totally don't know wink and it's gonna do some damage do you have the damage rating for this so you need yeah to it does a you. d8 plus six uh, I had a Ooh, six wow. on the dice plus three for my charisma modifier so that does uh, 15 points of adamantine damage and lodges itself in the gargoyle. Did you get, um, what's it called, the point-blank shot? Are you within 20 feet? Ah, uh, sorry, 16 points of damage, not 15. Well, that definitely doesn't all go through, but at the same time, that adamantine harpoon absolutely does go through in a literal sense and is stabbed into the weird stone-like creature and he just looks like he is about to collapse to the ground but he is still standing one might say he looks like he's disabled oh that's so cool actually that was so cool I can't believe you grappled him <laughs> That. <laughs> and it is Kira's turn. Um, 
Kira attempts to, somewhat distracted by this new purple light thing, attempts to strike out at this creature uh, and can recognize she doesn't do a whole lot of damage. She then sees it literally assess her and then turn away. And she's not upset per se, but she is gonna rage. Also her friend Vargas is unconscious um, and she's determined to do something meaningful with this. So I'll go ahead and pop that on my hero lab because it's been a minute. Eh, that's an 18. Um, and I'm just going to add all the things. So plus 19 with adamantine, plus 10 with a uh, greatsword and rage bonus. So that's a 29 to hit, Sam. A <laughs> 29 will hit. <laughs> Yay. And four plus nine, 13 points of damage. Despite the fact that, once again, your sword just doesn't really work so great on him. He was at zero, and he goes down in a heap of rocks. And we are out of initiative. Yeah. Before running to Vargas's side, what was the knowledge check on this thing? Now that we're actually seeing it, can I re-roll it? Because recently... Something that we thought we killed came back and punched Brixby in the face. And then someone we killed, like, yesterday, his body is now gone. Asher's suspicious. I believe for a monstrous humanoid, it is knowledge local. Okay. Do I, Am I allowed to re-roll since I've seen it now for the first time? Yeah, and you've also gained a level since you heard about it. Oh. I've literally never rolled above a two for a knowledge roll. Two minus one. That's a one. That's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. My adjusted nine uh, is going to tell me everything I need to know. <laughs> I'm afraid the stone creature is as mysterious as its ability to pretend very convincingly to be a statue. The corpse of Vargas gets a plus four if it can roll. <laughs> Just poke him a little bit. Here we go. What do you know about this thing? <laughs> yeah, I remember Brixby did a roll on this bad boy and got like two questions at least. Yeah, somebody didn't got... didn't ask anything to yeah. that effect. Yeah, it was it was Brix, but yeah. I pretty much just did the standard special mm-hmm. attack, special defenses. Yeah, and, I that... think I got three because I was like, what is the DR? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we but... knew it was magic. We knew it could hide as a statue. Yeah, I think that um, Brixby did know this thing well enough to know that um, it doesn't have any spontaneous ability to, to come back from the dead. Um, it's not dead dead right now. It's, you know, unconscious and dying. Well, of course I'm going to give it space drugs because that's the decent thing to do. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, we're going to take so, all those extra hammers out of Kira's pack and just beat it to <laughs> dust. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Dr. Bricks is going to put on his little paper hat if Asher doesn't come on over because, you know, he is just itching no. to, to heal. Stand down, <laughs> Doctor. I He's... don't think he likes that stuff. Asher will retract the uh, the grappling hook and it just kind of zips back to him. He, I would get a CMB pull combat maneuver check to drag the creature towards me. But I don't think I care too much about that in its current state. And it would kind of bump up against this purple half orc. Uh, so instead, the quirk. Retracted. Com- and just, oops. 
sucks a chunk of rock into Kira's face. <laughs> oh no, right into her brain. You hate Up to see Up the nose, it. just the angle is perfect. Um, and it, Also, it's a lot heavier than Asher is, so probably you'd go flying. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I can look at the text of the, of the item. It doesn't seem to be that's the way it functions, you know, sorry. Fantasy, gravity. <laughs> and sure, sure, stuff. sure. Uh, instead, Asher will walk towards Vargas uh, and uh, we've got two boobs left on the old boob stick no use carrying that thing around anymore if we use it all but don't we have potions for days like we got some cure mods from uh, the corpse Uh, we use two we still have a whole bunch we have oh yeah because we got a bunch from those that second fight that's right Eight I was thinking you meant from the Veggie Pygmy fight. Uh, eight Cure Light, I think both Kira and Brixby have two. And then we also have. There's a Cure Mod here somewhere. Uh, two of those. So take your pick. Yeah, let's let's go for the Cure Mod. Uh, so that's what? 2d8 plus 3? Yeah. A total of ten. Four and a three on the D8s. Okay, so you just pour that down his throat. Yeah. Click the heal button, not the skull button. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so he is conscious. Yay. And he wakes up and goes, did, did we get it? Is it dead? Down. I think probably. Hard to say. Oh, you can check when you're not bleeding. Are you okay? I'm fine. That was quite a sprint in here, by the way. Very impressive. And um, <laughs> kind of looks down at his arm and goes, "Yes, it did. Uh, not exactly what I thought it would, but." The results were actually better than I was expecting. Um, so, speaking of results, uh, you look a little hurt still. Do you want any holds the gun up? Or, I suppose, one of these. And kind of begrudgingly holds up a cure light. I wouldn't mind a cure light potion if we can spare one. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, from what I understand, on the other side of that door is one of the most serious combats that any of the four of us are going to face. I'd like to be ready. Speaking of which, Asher, your gun. Yes, it's, it's only the second time, actually, that this has ever happened. Once against the skeletons and then against this gargoyle. Unfortunately, despite the things I've learned and the skills that I've obtained, it's still going to take me an hour to clear this Do We don't know what time Mayanda's services are. If she intends to still hold them, I'm concerned about spending an hour to fix it, although it certainly would reduce my capabilities. I'm comfortable enough with this technological device to perhaps just see if it doesn't function or suffice. Fix it after we defeat Meander and turn on the torch, eh? Ah, well, I appreciate your 
generally accommodating and easygoing personality. That gun has been the difference between us, walking or hobbling out of here plenty of times. And I'm not saying anything about the talent that's in the finger, the hand, or the man that it's attached to. But I know that if I went in without my magics, I wouldn't be very useful either. She likely knows we're here. It's the worst that we could have happen, sitting in here waiting for her to come our way. I don't think she can get to her robots. She's right in there, right? He gestures towards the extreme dramatic double doors <laughs> at the top <laughs> of the stairs. Um, plus, who knows? Maybe we'll find something in that pile of stuff you were looking for. Yes, I wonder. Perhaps one of you can check it out while I start this process of clearing this gun. And while Asher... Um settles down to work on his gun I'm going to bed no <laughs> I wanted to paw through the junk Ugh. Sam okay my, it's <laughs> so, my internet sorry just it's just out. not junk paw time you said you're going to bed right I missed they're like and while your Asher sits down to fit his gun and then everyone went very quiet did you oh, say you that all we all died, died? Oh. yeah <laughs> anyway ah well 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 a shame. Good night, Sam. <laughs> night, Sam. property of its creators, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path the properties of Paizo Publishing. Please visit them at paizo.com for more information. Theme Against the Machine, written and performed by our own Zach. Please consult the show notes for additional music and sound effect licensing information. Do you have any woolly mammoths for us to punch? How about some blue-footed boobies or any other nearly extinct or endangered animals? Yeah, yeah we uh, step past to the guys from the uh, wildlife uh, thing who are just like standing here at clipboards. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Department of Fish and Wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> they all have clipboards. We're just putting our heads down. Just... <laughs> In our defense, they attacked us first. It's true. That's true. I don't have five minutes to talk to you about how to save thylacines. Is there a website? I'll definitely donate online. You could just just tell it to me. I'll remember it. What is monster and services? <laughs> I know. I know that it means religious services, but I love the idea that it's just like other services. <laughs> Business center and monster and continental breakfast. <laughs> Why is the hot tub always out of order? <laughs> <laughs>